Hey, Glenn, and I guess Impens on Thrones listeners. Um, I'm just recording this kind of to to document my thoughts about what it means to be mindfully angry and what mindful anger means versus unhealthy anger. Unhealthy anger. Unhealthy anger. I'm heavily into Buddhism and studying Buddhism, and there's often this kind of, I guess it's paradox that arises, meaning that if you're Buddhist, you know, you shouldn't be angry and you can't be angry. And Glenn was kind of teasing me about that. There is some truth to that, but I think anger can also be healthy, especially when you're in situations that like abuse or in my case, exiting a fundamentalist religion. When you allow yourself to feel what you're feeling without trying to fight it, without trying to invalidate it. Unhealthy anger. Unhealthy anger. Unhealthy anger. And that's what I've kind of been debating with Glenn about. Where Glenn says, you know, don't be angry. Why be angry, you know? Some people can do that. I am a very emotional person. I'm very passionate about things and I get really angry sometimes. Unhealthy anger. Unhealthy anger. Unhealthy Glenn's way can work, you know, when people are trying to dwell on that anger and go back to it continually and continually. I agree with him. But I also think that sometimes those people need to be validated too so that that anger can just process in their mind and they can move on. This is Infants on Thrones. Baby steps. Who wants someone to preach to? The philosophies of men. I like magical toys. Who wants religion to Mingled with humor. I don't believe in them. There will be many willing to preach to you the philosophies of men mingled with humor. We are evolving. Baby steps. You can buy in this world of money. the good in everything look for the people who will set your soul free it always seems impossible until it's done look for the good in everyone welcome back to infants on thrones i'm glenn ostland and this is episode 720 anger part one And today I'm going to sit down with a listener, Adam, who you may have heard before on the podcast. And Adam and I are going to be talking about anger. And we're going to be using clips from the audiobook Letting Go by Dr. David Hawkins. So you're going to be hearing those. You're also going to be hearing from another listener who we'll call Fred. So Fred, thank you for sending in your message about what you think about anger and my messages on anger your feelings and thoughts on anger and any of you listeners out there who want to do similarly that Adam has done or that Fred has done I would love to hear what this means to you what do you think about anger what's your relationship to anger how does it show up in your life how is it valuable to you how is it not valuable to you (laughs) times when it is time when it isn't so very interested in this idea right now would love to hear from you You can record something, send it to infantsonthrones at gmail.com, or just send me an email. Either way, I'd love to get feedback from you listeners. And now, my conversation with Adam. Enjoy. All right. So we are recording, Adam. 
All right. What do you have to say for yourself, Adam? I've been a bad boy. You've been a bad boy. (laughs) Just kidding. (laughs) All right. So let's let's set the stage for this discussion because today we're going to be talking about anger. And I think I know why we're talking about anger, but I'd really like to hear it from you. Um, Last summer was probably June or July of 2020. We were doing that um, series. What did I call it? The insatiable need for justice and the meandering search for karma or something like that. Yes, that's exactly what it was. And, and there was something that you listened to in that, that you wrote an email and like, Hey, why you guys got to hate on ex Mormons or something like that. Yeah. It was? Yeah, basically. And so we were, we, Tom and I made a response to that. And I think there was a little bit of back and forth. And then we did an episode with you and Reed and Tom back in December. That was yeah, the one called let it die. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and you want to talk about anger. So, so the, this thing, so tell me, you tell me like, what is, what, what is this, uh, um, anger issue for and especially i'm curious because you in in the recording that you sent that i put in that uh general conference episode one about anger and <laughs> i i i um you you talked about my way like glenn's way with anger so i'm curious <laughs> to hear what what that what that is too so take um, it away adam why are we here i don't know well i'm a troll so i like to troll people so i'm you know, and sometimes I'll, I'll be thinking I'm like, that would really bug Glenn. I'm going to type that to him, you know, kind of thing. So you just um, want to bug me? Is that the thing? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, uh, I, I don't know. Like the Glenn's way. Um, how do I say this? I don't know what your way is. It just, it comes off as kind of like, I'll just sweep it under the rug, you know, kind of feeling like. Just, just sweep what under the rug? Well, like, let's say somebody's shitting on, um, the church or whatever okay. you know and okay this is the example you people were making fun of something you know and you're like oh let's not make fun of it you know it's kind of i can't remember what episode it was i don't know but, that's funny for me to say not let's not make fun of something that, that's <laughs> <All what right. laughs> I, I just can't it, it, it was just kind of like um i think that humor should absolutely be used and i don't know if that is anger you know like mm. For example, the, um, what's it called? The general conference podcast podcast. Yeah. I listened to it yesterday. I was laughing my ass off. That was funny. Yeah. You know, I don't me, want that me to too. Die. When I listened back to it, I, you know, like, like I recorded it in 2013 and the other one in 2015, yeah. but yeah, I was laughing when I heard it back for sure. Yeah. Like, I don't want that to die, you know, like, <laughs> yeah, I don't want it to die either, but I, I also, I don't, I don't, I don't want to be, uh, I don't want to create more anger in the world. I don't want to create more outrage. I, I, and, and that's the biggest thing, you know? So, so it's like, yeah, there's things that happen where anger is going to be a natural response. Well, but you're going to create, I, I don't want to create more of it. Well, you're going to create more anger in me if you don't keep like producing funny stuff. You know what I'm saying? No, oh, is that, but that's not me creating anger in you. That's you. That's your choice. I mean, yeah. Yes, Master Yoda. <laughs> yes, Master Yoda. Okay. So here's here's what I've done. Today. Okay. And and by the way, do you remember that original comment that you made that, that kicked it all off back in July 2020? What was it that that we had said that you responded to in the first place? Do you remember? Oh, I don't. I, I thought you were going to like pull it up and like my aunt does that where she's like, do you remember when you said this when you were like, uh-huh. I don't know, 10, you know, yeah. kind of thing? 
Uh, I don't remember. I think no. it was just something like it's something that Tom said, uh, and I took no. it the wrong way, and mm. you know that's on me. But oh, probably he w- he was saying something about ex Mormons getting too angry about something or other, and probably. Yeah, and I'm 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 a different um, person now, so I probably wouldn't get as triggered by that. Okay. So at the time, how how fresh out of the church were you? Last oh Jesus, um, I had just decided to like just completely done and like in when the pandemic started okay all right so yeah so that's still that's still just about a year ago pretty pretty uh, fresh yeah and, and how did you how did you stumble across infants on thrones um i think like somebody in a in a facebook group mentioned it and i was like what's that you know <laughs> so I, I listened to it and then yeah. they, you said you went to japan on a mission ah uh, yeah my, i did too so i was just yeah. like i'm gonna listen to this you know and yeah. Um, I started listening to like the Smackdowns, you know, and yeah. just like all that shit. And um, yeah, it was, it was fucking funny. So, I mean, there you go. Do you listen to the old episode that I don't even remember what number it is, but I did one with a former uh, companion of mine. And we talked about the, the Japanese and the Lost Tribes of Israel, all of that. Folklore. Oh, yeah. I was listening to that and I was like getting excited, you know, because I'm like, did you cut you? I'm sure you came across those stories. Oh, Oh yeah. And uh, yeah. it's like, looking back on it, I was like, that's bullshit. You know, <laughs> like my ancestors didn't come from freaking Israel. Like they came from like, at most they came from Korea, you know, and <laughs> like a long time ago, yeah. you know, kind of thing. Yeah. So yeah, I, I, I definitely heard that. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. All right. Well, so what I've done today is I've prepared several audio clips to kind of guide a conversation about anger. Yeah. Um, because we can talk about like what is Glenn's approach to anger? Because I think there's a lot of people that are confused by it, including Glenn. And um, on, on that episode that I released yesterday, mm-hmm. the, the general conference one, uh, I, I asked if there were any listeners that wanted to provide some feedback to record sure. it and send it in. And yeah. I did get one. Okay, Glenn, you asked for feedback regarding episode 719 on anger and general conference. If you're asking, my opinion is uh, your approach to the church in this episode was way too kumbaya. Kumbaya, my lord. Kumbaya. Kumbaya, my lord. I got out of the church, but I still have kids that are in it. And the emotional and relational carnage that the false teachings of the church continues to perpetuate uh, deserves action um, and effort to try to minimize or change that. Um, I really appreciate so many of the things you've done with your podcast over the years, but lately it's just feels um, too relaxed, too let it be. Um, and I don't think that's what's called for. I mean, yeah, I think everybody who gets out should, or everybody for that matter, should try to have as much peace and happiness in their life. Um, And I don't think people should go around being angry all the time. But the church is wrecking families, wrecking lives, um, causing suicides. And just say, don't be mad, bro. Um, Feels like dereliction. 
Uh, it feels like people should be doing things. I would like the best minds figuring out ways to to uh, shed light on the situation and, and I'll help as many people as possible to get out of this burning building. Um, yeah, don't don't be mad, but geez, don't don't just uh, don't just let it go. Um, I think attention and work needs to continue to be poured into trying to um, bring truth to light and help people out. That's my opinion. All right. Ouch. Ouch. Sounds like yeah. a scathing rebuke. Oh, you, you, oh, yeah. Okay. Well, interesting. Tell me why you think, tell me why well, that sounds like a scathing rebuke to you. Well, he kind of called you out. Um, and out. I mean, did? I don't know. He said lately, you know, your stuff has been too passive or too uh, kumbaya. Um, and I don't necessarily feel that way, like all the time, you okay. know? Um, and I let you know when I feel what, when I feel and respond to certain things, which that's why we're talking right now. Yeah. But yeah. So, so what, what else, what, what other uh, reactions did you have as you listened to that? Um, do, do you, I, I guess the things that jumped out to me, um, that the church is destroying people's lives, wrecking families, um, causing people to commit suicide. And that there's more effort. You need best minds to focus on this and come up with a problem. And just saying, don't be mad is a dereliction of duty. What do you, what do you think about that? I mean, we are the best minds working on it, you know? So, I mean, <laughs> there we go. What does that mean? <laughs> I don't know. I'm just bullshitting you. Um, I mean, it. I have so many thoughts. Like, is it your duty to rescue people that want to stay in a burning building like what if you're a firefighter and somebody walks in you walk in and somebody's like i want to stay here i want to die like what do you do mm -hmm. you know how do you convince them that the fire is not burning their flesh off when it is you know um i spent so much anger just trying to get people to change their minds and like okay if you want to stay in this situation what am I going to do that can really change your mind? You know, yeah. like I, I was that person for a long time. So how, I agree how, with the guy though. How, how, how do you feel now? Do you, do you still feel a lot of anger towards the church? Is it, I mean, you, you said that it's different than it was last summer, but, yeah. but how's your, how's your level of anger? Well, I mean, it, it fluctuates, you know, like sometimes something will be said and I'll really just, feel resentful or bitter or whatever mm -hmm. but um i do still have some anger you know that i'm working through um but it's not as bad as it was you know and that's just for me kind of taking care of my mind protecting yeah. my mind um there's a guy who's an anger management specialist his name's christian conti mm -hmm. and i uh I work on anger management with my kids at work. So I teach them skills and stuff. And he was saying that like, you got to protect your mind from things. So like, it's kind of like if somebody's throwing, he said, if somebody's throwing a plate of hot garbage at you, are you just going to sit there and like, just bathe in it? Or are you going to get out of the way, you know? And so I kind of have to protect my mind from those triggers and realize 
those things, you know, or else I'm going to be unhappy. So are you saying, are you saying that, that having anger in your mind can be harmful to you? Like having something thrown at you? Sometimes it depends. Yeah. You know, okay. if, if like, I'll give you an example. Yeah. I, I, one way I've protected my mind, I didn't watch any of this past weekend's stuff, you know, conference. General conference. Yeah. Yeah. Past me would have been really angry and gone and watched all 10 hours of it yeah. and just tri- broken it down and tried to like deconstruct it, you know, but now it's just kind of like, I mean, it's, yeah, I agree with the guy, like there's a lot of harm being done, Yeah, but I just don't know how to help people that want to stay in the building, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, um, well, I, I guess the, the way that I've, I've kind of felt that you've framed this argument, Adam, is that Glenn is anti-anger and that you are pro-anger. Yeah. Um, <laughs> is that, is that, is that how you feel? <laughs> yes. You Just do? kidding. <laughs> no, no. I, I, I think that like, I'm sure you get angry all the time, you know? Um, that stuff like, does your, I'm sure like, I don't know your partner or whoever your former bosses have said stuff that bothered you, you know, and everybody gets kind of like that book. Everybody farts. Sure. Everybody poops. Everybody poops. Everybody does. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, but what, what is it? What, what, what do you think it means to let go of anger or to surrender anger um, because it seems like when i've said things like that before that that's when you kind of recoil and you're like no anger is important you, you've got to have anger like you don't want to hold on to it forever but you know you don't want to just dismiss it or uh, you know so so if i say let go of your anger or surrender your anger does that sound wrong to you i guess uh no it's just so um i've learned this through per- going through therapy myself and studying Mm. mental health is that there's like wishful thinking, you know, which is a thinking error. And it's trying to kind of almost brush things under the rug, just get them out of the way, you know, kind of like in um, what's that show Monty Python and the Holy grail where he says, it's just a mere, it's a mere flesh wound, you know, his arms falling off and his arteries shooting blood out. Like, I think that like, cause in that scene, it's obviously not just a flesh wound. He's missing. Limbs. Yeah. 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 And that's kind of what it's like is I'm not saying you're um, delusional. I think you are. Way. I think, well, you, I think you are. Adam. I think, <laughs> I'm I think just, you're I'm, saying that I'm calling things a flesh wound that aren't really flesh wounds, but it, but it sounds like what, what you're saying is that when you're dealing with anger, there's, um, there, there's a way of like burying your head in the sand and not really acknowledging it. Yes. And, yes. and that's the part, you know, like you don't, you don't want to say that it's something that it isn't. You don't want to say that it's a flesh wound when you really, you're missing three limbs and you're hopping around on one leg. Cause that would be inaccurate. Yeah. So uh, something's coming to my mind right now is like, let's say you do have your arms falling off, your arteries pumping out. Um, you need to go to the doctor for that right away. Right. You know, but then like, sure. I don't know if you're 10 years down the road and you just have like a nub of an arm and just to rehash it, you cut it open again. That's not helpful. You know, it's, there's different stages of the anger process. Like Mm. in the moment you need to take care of your anger, you need to process it rather than just store it inside. But 10 years from now, 
you know, when that anger is a scar and you're past that, like, is it really that helpful to yeah. go back to it and keep rehashing it? I don't, I don't know. Yeah. Well, it, it seems, it seems to me that, that there, there's a, when I talk about letting go of anger or surrendering anger, that there is a reaction and not that this is everyone's reaction, but I, I think I've sensed it from you. And I think I sensed it from what Fred just recorded and sent to us. Yeah. That it seems like it's dismissing reality and it, it seems like it's irresponsible, um, to, to say, just turn a blind eye to anger. And it's almost like, uh, there's, there's anger that comes as a result of saying surrender anger. Well, this is interesting because it's like that trauma response of kind of you stop listening, it's fight or flight, you get angry, you know? Mm. Um, let me ask you this. What have you learned in your courses so far, if you have, about this kind of stuff? I'd be really interested to hear that. Well, I'm just in my second class and we're talking about ethics in the profession. Oh. So we haven't really gotten into, <laughs> in, in, yeah. into that yet. But what, what I'm sharing with you today um, through David Hawkins, the book, letting go, I've learned a lot about anger Yeah, from, from that. So for my, um, bachelor's, I had to do like classes on how to work at the different levels. So like person to person level, we talked about how to work with clients, you know, and something that we talked about is holding space for them mm -hmm. and letting them, letting them feel how they feel, Yeah, you know, even if they're like delusional, and they feel like all these things that are unmerited, like let's say they have a personality disorder and they think that everybody's out to get them. Yeah. You telling them, not you, but somebody telling them like, oh, don't feel that way. Or right. you're not supposed to feel that. That just reinforces that, you know? Mm -hmm. So holding space means that like you give them, you listen, you know, and you don't say feel this way or feel that way. And you just listen and you go along with them on that journey, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, and holding space is one thing. Um, yeah. Creating like fanning the flames and fomenting anger and giving people, you know, like by uh, picking the scabs off and yeah. wounding the wound over and over and over and over again in this ex Mormon space. Yeah. Um, podcasting that that's what I don't want. Like uh, holding space absolutely let's 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 hold space let's let's process the things together but with the objective where do you want to be at the end of it you don't still want to be angry no i i've 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 read this um buddhist quote by eq uh he was a japanese philosopher mm. but he basically said that um he who has no destination can never be lost Hmm. meaning I don't know what's on the other side of this. I don't know. Like I couldn't tell you. Um, yeah. So to answer your question, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. All right. I'm going to play another clip here, Adam. Go, and go for it. It's um, th th this is from David Hawkins book, letting go where he's, he's giving a definition of anger by providing a lot of synonyms to it. So as, as you're listening through this list of synonyms, Try to pick out one or two that kind of resonate with you, <laughs> yeah. And and we'll 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 talk about them. Um, if if any of these you think are not anger or are anger, um, yeah, we'll we'll have that discussion. Anger may come up about the technique of surrender itself. Anger that one is expected to let go of feelings that in the past have been valued. 
These are often feelings like revenge, outrage, indignation, fury, jealousy, vindictiveness, spite, hatred, contempt, wrath, argumentativeness, hostility, sarcasm, impatience, frustration, negativity, aggression, violence, revulsion, meanness, rebellion, explosive behavior, agitation, abusiveness, abrasiveness, smoldering, sullenness, pouting, and stubbornness. All right. So the first part of that, um, he, he acknowledged that people might get angry with somebody suggesting that you just let go of your anger and you move away from it because these are emotions and feelings that have been valuable yeah. in, in the past. And then he listed a bunch of the, those emotions. Did anything jump out to you, Adam? Um, I have ADHD, so I, <laughs> I, <laughs> I, was, uh, I was listening, but I, I, I can't like recall on the spot. Uh, I'm getting flashbacks <laughs> to like fifth grade, you know, where teacher would call on you. Oh, um, yeah. Well, we're going to be doing a lot of this tonight. Oh, Adam, shit. So, yeah. Okay. Well, I'll put on my Adderall. I'll take a, take my backpack and I'll put on my school boy uniform. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, um, yeah, just as, as I was reading or not reading, but listening to this and um, I was thinking of experience because I, I deal with anger every day yeah. in my job. Like I work with kids in treatment in a yeah. lockdown facility yeah so like they're always i there's i got yelled at today by a kid um and it, he wasn't mad at me but he's just mad at the world and um an experience i was thinking of happened the other weekend um i provide leadership opportunities to kids and they have to meet certain requirements to keep those opportunities you know to hold them accountable mm -hmm. and if they do something to lose those then um then i have i'm the one i'm their boss basically and i have to fire them and sometimes i don't want to fire somebody but i have to because that's life and that's just fair you know so i was dealing with this kid who he's a great kid um but he saw another staff a female staff being punched by um a peer and he started like basically a riot almost like six kids jumped this kid, but he was the first one. And he was one of those leaders on the unit. And he's obviously not expected to expected to not do that, to withhold that, but he got fired because he jumped in there, you know? And then we had this discussion, like um, he's like, well, yeah, but I take care of the women in my life. And if I see that happening, you know, I, I'm going to do something about it. You know, he is very unapologetic. Yeah. Um, so I was thinking about that in terms of anger. Like, I mean, if I'm being honest, I would have, if that's my mom, that's my aunt or cousin or something like that, I, I'd kick that kid's ass too. But that, what would happen to me, you know, mm. probably get an assault charge, probably yeah. have to go to court. You know, yeah. a lot of my future prospects would be ruined. Yeah. And so there's, times where anger's effective you know but it is a destructive force overall like yeah. that kid made that choice and he's he's valid in feeling the way he did because nobody wants to see a female being beaten up by a big burly um yeah. asshole 
Yeah. You know, but like, what's your response to that? You know what I'm saying? So what are, what are ways that, because the, the, the way that you, you uh, shared the story, Adam, was that he, he said, well, what am I supposed to do? I've got to do something. Yeah. And so it's, he's kind of insinuating that if he doesn't respond out of anger, then he's not doing anything. It's just inaction. But aren't yeah. there other ways that he could respond to the situation that aren't from a place of anger? E- even if he gets angry as he's seeing yeah. this and justifying like rightly so angry, but not responding from a place of anger, responding in a different way. Well, uh, I, I told him this, and um, this was a really good teaching moment for us because um, from my personal experience, uh, my background, Japanese American, mm. like, when we were locked up in internment camps, you know, we were, there's a lot of hurt, anger, trauma, mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff for us, you know? Did you have but, that in your family? Um, so interesting because my family settled in the Intermountain West. They weren't on the West Coast. Mm. So it was just the people in California, Oregon, and Washington. Uh, so yeah. kind of lucked out in yeah. some ways, but honestly, being on the outside during the war and stuff for my family was more traumatic. Mm just because um, the way they were treated, they were just, yeah, harassed mm. constantly. So anyway, um, yeah, like if your people get locked up for no reason, you know, they didn't do anything, um, there's some anger there. But what would have happened if we had um, fought back against the guards? We'd probably yeah. get mowed down by machine guns, you know? Yeah. And so when it comes to civil rights, you know, um, Martin Luther King Jr., for example, I'm sure he felt a lot of anger, but he handled it in a way that was creative and passive, like as in um, nonviolent, but it was effective. You know, there's certain ways to deal with anger that are productive, that can create new opportunities, that can dismantle systems of, of oppression without bloodshed or violence, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm, I want to share uh, a graphic with you here. Um, and uh, have, have you read Letting Go? Because I've talked about it on the podcast before. I don't know if you've read it. I read snippets of it. Again, ADHD. I <laughs> will start something and then stop it because I'm hungry. So, uh-huh. okay. Yeah. So he, what we're looking at right now, it, it's, it's really the, the backbone of his book, Letting Go. Yeah. Um, and it's something that he calls the map of consciousness. And it's, yeah. it's really like a scale of emotions where he's, he's assigned a number, which I think is a fairly arbitrary number. Like he had his own kind of system for how he came up with these yeah. numbers, but it's from 20. Well, it's really from like zero to a thousand. I need basically. to pause you for a second. Looking at this. Yeah. There's an emotion on here that I experienced probably half the time. Yeah, which is not on here. It's uh-huh. horny, and I don't I don't see a horny anywhere you don't on see here. Horny so. on there? Okay, well no. we'll figure we'll figure out where horny goes. But I don't Give know that horny is an emotion. Oh, it's an emotion. Is it an emotion? Okay. Yeah. Well, I think I see it on here, and we'll actually get to it in a minute. So, what what we're looking at, and and we'll take turns on this, Adam. Maybe that'll help you with your ADHD. Sure. So at the bottom level is shame. And he yeah. gives that a number 20 and the associated emotional state is humiliation. And the view of life of somebody who's feeling shame is miserable. Yeah. 
Okay, you do that for the next one for guilt. All right, guilt has level 30 or what do you call it? energetic frequency 30? Yeah, score 30. Uh, yeah, it sounds like some sci-fi shit. Um, so the associated emotional state is blame and the view of life is evil. Yeah. So, so when you're in guilt, you're blaming other people and you feel like there's a lot of evil out there. So let, let's, let's pause for a minute and talk about this energetic frequency thing. And it sounds like sci-fi to you. Yeah. Um, tell, tell me what you mean by that. Well, I'm reading Dune. And so everything sounds like sci-fi to me right now, but that's just okay. me. All right. So, so when, when I see, because David Hawkins could get pretty far out there uh, on like the energy kind of woo stuff. And yeah, sure. It, it was hard for me even when I started yeah. reading it. Well, but I do call you, you, I do call you Glenn the woo Osland. So, I mean, there you that's go. Fine. That's fine. <laughs> so what, what are these emotions? Like what are emotions? Is it, is it, is it legitimate to, to refer to emotions as energetic frequencies? Well, yeah, because in your brain, it's generating like electronic frequencies, like your brain. So like, I, I'm not smart enough to describe this, but basically you get a stimulus, you know, yeah. and I'm not talking about Uncle Joe Biden's stimulus. I'm talking about like the neurological mm -hmm. stimulus, you know, and um, and then there's a reaction in your neurons and your brain codes that. You know, so like, let's say there's a tiger chasing after you, yeah. your brain says, I should be feeling shitting my pants, you know, kind mm. of feeling, or I should be fear or this. So yeah, it is an energetic frequency. It is, has reverberations, you know, yeah. we are conditioned based on our emotion, based on like what our primitive filthy monkey men brains are yeah. designed to respond to, you know? Yeah. And, and when you think about it, even though we, we live in a world of solid matter. When you go down deep, deep, deep into that solid matter, it's all waves and particles of energy. And it's kind of crazy. So when it's yeah. talking about energetic frequency of emotions, that's what the number is kind of corresponding to. Yeah. So guilt at a 30. So we'll, we'll go back to it. Then the next one is yeah. apathy, um, which is just like, I don't give a shit about anything. Apathy. Yeah. Is I, and I 50. see this. I see this every day in my job working with kids who have um, serious mental illness yeah. and feeling like they are stuck or there there's no hope, you know? So, yeah. Yeah. So, so the associated emotional state with apathy is despair and the view of life is hopeless. Yes. Okay. So the next one's grief and it has a 75 energetic frequency. Um, have you ever seen Dragon Ball Z? No. Oh my gosh. So there's like these power levels that um, they see. And when they see Goku, he's like, he's over 9,000. Yeah. Anyway, that just reminds me of that. It does. Um, that, that fits. <laughs> yeah. So um, anyway, back to the thing, tragic um, regret and tragic. So, yeah. So the associated mental state is the, having a lot of regret for people who are in grief and yeah. life, ju life just seems like one big tragedy after another um, yeah. for somebody in grief. Yeah. For somebody, the next one on the list um, is fear. And and as each one of these scales upward, it's it, like, I think of it as kind of like rungs on a ladder. Like yeah. we're, we're going from these really low emotions that are low energy that you just like, you can hardly move. You can, you know, you, know, you just don't want to do anything. You're just totally depressed and blah. And then as you, as you increase, you have a little bit more power, a little bit more energy to do things. And with fear, yeah. 
it, it put it a hundred and the associated emotional state is anxiety and the view of life is frightening. Everything is frightening. Yeah. I will comment too. If you have, so all, all the people I work with have trauma and all the people I will be working with have trauma, like severe trauma. Yeah. So like the way your trauma re rewires your brain is you stay in probably the 175 below most of the time. Yeah. Like you, the fight or flight, your body responds differently because your brain has been traumatized yeah. and the neural neural pathways have been rewired such that you have you respond to threats even the smallest ones with apathy guilt shame yeah whatever you know and so those are habits ha habits of focus of attention that over time those neural pathways just become set and they become it's almost like an addiction in some way to, to respond yes. to something in a certain way yes and but you our brain our brain is plastic um yeah meaning it can move and change yeah. so it's not they're not completely like stuck in that Right. But yeah, it is yeah. hard to change it. Yeah. And and some some people have the capacity to 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 move that easier than others, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Depends on the situation, but yeah. yeah. Okay, so I just did fear. So you're going to do the next one? Okay. Oh, hey, there's There morning. we go. Um desire. Uh-huh. 125 craving and disappointing. Yeah. So there's there's your horniness right there. There you go. Your your craving and the way that you disappoint. And I'm always I'm <laughs> always I'm always, <laughs> I'm always disappointed. Yeah. All right. And and so why do you think the view of life is disappointing when desire is the main uh, emotional frequency that you're at? Well, as somebody who is in this state quite frequently, let me explain. <laughs> yeah. Um. No, I'm just kidding. I've overcome that a long time ago. Mm. Um. Basically, like your expectations of what's going to happen never are met because yeah. you, you just want that pleasure. You know, like me, I'm a bachelor. I'm single. You know, my expectation is to sleep around or something like that, you know, um, spread my wild oats. And I'm going to tell you even before the pandemic, that was not happening. You know, yeah. like that's just not realistic. You can't Can we leave your email address at the end of this episode for anybody who's interested in, or, or maybe do you have like a Tinder profile that people could check out? I actually just deleted my Tinder profile because okay. it was so disappointing. Um, there you, you go. Can find, you can find me on Facebook. View of life is disappointing. Yeah. I, th I think when you're at desire and, and there's certain things that you want and you want it to be a certain way and yeah. things don't always line up the way that we want. And so it's easy to get disappointed. And then that yeah. puts you back down into grief and apathy and you can fall back down the ladder playing shoots and ladders and here. I'm going to, I'm going to turn dharma turn buddhist here for a second all right and talk about entitlement and um like that expectation and desire like the suffering comes from wanting something that you can't have or wanting something that's not good for you and that's where the suffering comes from yeah of you know disappointment so all right. The next one on the list is anger which is what we're here to talk about today so anger is at 150 and the associated emotional state is hate and the view of life is antagonistic yeah with with anger yeah so one of the reasons i'm i'm doing this and we're spending so much time showing how anger is associated with some of these other emotions mm -hmm. is because anger does have a very good benefit of bringing people up 
like if, if they're down in guilt or grief or fear or shame, anger can empower them to like launch them out. And I'm going to play a clip that talks about that in a minute, but oh, that, that's hell really yeah. I kind mean, of I'm setting, setting it up this way. My whole life is based on me feeling like I have a chip on my shoulder because I grew up in white Mormon Utah and didn't really yeah. feel like I had a place. So I, the reason I am so bombastic and so quirky and so out there, it's because my personality was kind of invalidated my whole adolescence, you know? So I'm kind of putting up the double birds to society by being yeah. weirdo. Yeah. And that, a lot of it stems from anger, Yeah, you know? Yeah. And, th and that might be something that it's, it's better than being apathetic. <laughs> You've got hey. more energy than when you're apathetic. Yeah. Um, all right. Hit, hit, hit me up with the next one here, Adam. And this is, this is kind of funny because this is where this is going. Pride. So yeah. scorn. Oh, sorry. It has a 175 frequency associated with scorn and demanding yeah. view of life. Yeah. And now uh, above pride is the tipping point. So courage is where uh, David Hawkins draws a line. And you can see from, from what we're looking at, the colors change here. But, but once you get to courage, the, it's at 200 and the associated emotional state is affirmation. And the view of life is feasible. It's feasible. Yeah. Can, I, word, can I share something real quick? Oh, go ahead. You can. Yeah, go ahead. But yeah. <laughs> well, I want to talk about social work because a lot of social work is based on some of these things. Um, go ahead. Yeah. And it's not, it's different from sociology for the listeners. Like social work is um, a very broad, like it, working with communities and stuff um, and working with mental health. But for me personally, like my change stemmed from being angry because I'd been rejected so often because of the way my, my skin color or because my name is Watanabe and it's different than Johnson or Smith or whatever the hell. And so I started out at that base, like angry and like not wanting to be treated this way and feeling like pissed, you know, and then that planted the seeds for me to start to look at the world and reanalyze and rediscover new things about what's wrong with like, I started with just Utah, like, okay, yeah. so I'm feeling this way. I've talked to other people who are feeling that way what's happening here. And then I kind of grew into who I am and yeah. who I'm becoming, you know? Yeah. So I want to say something about courage in there Go ahead. and, and it might apply. Uh, so, so see if you can apply this to, to what you just shared with me. So when David Hawkins talks about courage and the reason he, he identifies it as a tipping point is because once a person is able to look at themselves and accept Whatever it is that they see, that's an act of courage. Oh, yeah. You know, to, to be able to look at yourself, like if you go from a place of pride where you don't think that there's anything wrong with you to, yeah. to go up to the next level, you have to go, okay, well, maybe there is something wrong with me. Maybe it is yeah. my fault. Maybe there is something that I can do that's better. Um, I, I think that it takes a lot of courage to leave the Mormon church. It takes oh, a lot yeah. of courage to, to look at your beliefs and go, I used to believe these things and I really want to know if this is true or not. And I'm going to have the courage to follow the evidence wherever it takes me. And if it takes me to where I go, I, I can't believe in the book of Mormon anymore, or I can't believe that these leaders are called of God 
anymore, or I can't even believe that there's a God anymore or whatever, whatever it does, it takes a lot of courage. And, and so once, once you have that courage and you can really look at yourself and be willing to say, okay, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it is me that really opens, uh, opens up this energetic frequency, these emotions that everything above 200 Mm -hmm. energizing and empowering. And man, I feel a lot better. Whereas everything yeah. below 200 is just kind of like, eh, you know, like anywhere from apathetic and shame and guilt to, you know, the anger, it just, it's kind of, uh, just discouraging and depressing and yeah. uh, energy depleting. Yeah. So, so 200 is that tipping point on his scale. Can I ask you a question? Yeah. So, um, I haven't listened to the back episode, so maybe you've told this, um, so with that, like that courage part, yeah. like I can see like back in the day, Glenn being like the Knutson guy, you know, um, even Erasmus Knutson the third. Yes. Yes. Today's yes, his yes. birthday, by the way. April oh, 6th. awesome. Happy birthday, dude. Yeah. Um, it, it's, it's, it's because it's the church's birthday. So Stephen Erasmus Knutson the third got uh, birthday. Yeah. Um, so what took little Glenn, you know, I'm going to call you little Glenn. What took little Glenn from that like angel type, you know, Peter Priest. Okay. What took you from what tipped your scale basically, you know, in the brief, in in, in, like in the briefest like way you can say, like, was there some thing that you started questioning or is there a topic? It was, it was a long, slow burn for me, Adam. Um, And, um, there, there was a lot about um, pride, like like mm-hmm. recognizing my own pride. Like, like if, if I look at these emotional ranges below 200, I have spent a lot of time in pride, a lot of time in pride. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and one of the things I love about David Hawkins' book is he's got a chapter that's dedicated to each one of these. And, and so the, the clips that I've pulled out that we're still going to get to <laughs> come from his chapter on anger. Um, but when I listen to him talk about pride, I hear so much of myself, um, in that. And I didn't want to be, uh, I, mm-hmm. I, I, and I didn't like how the church did the one true church and the, you know, y- you are called of God. You're a yeah. <laughs> savior it's on Mount co- Zion and yeah. just like, you're good. Everybody else is bad. It, it was, it was a lot of that over and over and over again that I finally went, I can't do this anymore. And then there were other things, you know, like once, once I saw for myself that the, the translations that are on the facsimiles of the book of Abraham, you know, don't line up. I mean, they're still printed in the scriptures that Joseph Smith said that this says this, and then actually people who can read Egyptian say, this is what it says. And it's not anything close to it that kind of gave me more permission to say, okay, yeah, I think that this is, like, this, it makes sense that this is a, a man-made fiction that um, yeah. I can choose how much of it to engage with or not rather than yeah. God is holding my feet to the fire kind of thing. Like, can you imagine if he said, I can read kanji, you know, yeah. and somebody came along they're like, that's not what that says. That's not at what all. that says. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. Okay. Next so, one. Yeah. Take the oh, next one, Adam. Yeah. Neutrality. Um, 20, 250 and the associated emotional state is trust and satisfactory. Yeah. And I, I, I like neutrality just as a step above courage. Cause, but, but, you know, people who are really, really angry at the church. And I think I heard this in, in bread comment that he recorded and sent yeah. to me was that neutrality might come across as no, that's not acceptable. That's, that's um, what was the word that he used? Deleterious or something like that. It's just irresponsible to be neutral about the church. Um, but it's the associated emotional state is trust and the view of life is satisfactory where you're like, I don't know how things are going to work out. I, I really don't, but I trust that they're going to work out. I trust that things are going to be okay. I trust that things are satisfactory with the way they are. Um, and that that opens up the way to raise even higher on this. Yeah. See, according to um, old Mormon canon, Mm. I apparently was neutral because I have brown skin and (laughs) people with brown skin were apparently neutral in the so-called pre-existence. So that that, that is interesting because even Mormonism vilifies neutrality. So maybe that's one of the, you know, some people say that, your your mind is formed in certain ways as a Mormon. And then when you yeah. become an ex-Mormon, you just kind of like flip the the pendulum to the other side. Yeah, for and, sure. And, and so you still vilify neutrality. You just think, okay, I'm gonna I need to be on this side of it instead yeah. of that side of it. <laughs> and to be honest, my skin color should probably be like orange because I'm stuck in that horny phase, you know, all the time. So okay. Maybe yeah. 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 Sorry. I wish I could help you out with that, Adam. You can't. I can't. All right. Uh, willingness is at 310 and the associated emotional state is optimism. And the view of life is hopeful because you're more willing to engage in things in life, even though you're not quite sure if it's going to be great or not. Um, yeah. All right. What's the next one? Acceptance, 350, forgiveness and harmonious. Yeah. Yeah, and and we're gonna we're gonna talk a little bit more about forgiveness and acceptance today. And again, that that's one of those things that I think can be really hard when you're talking to people about. Well, this is just how the church is. Mm-hmm. This is just how things are. Like, but they shouldn't be. You got to do something to change it. <laughs> like, yeah. Okay. All right. But like for me, for pe- to get to a place of peace of mind, to get to a place where I can, the next one on here is reason. Uh, where, where I can be very reasonable and I can be free of bias and free of any yeah. kind of emotional, uh, you know, something that would cloud my judgment. Yeah. So reason is at a 400 on here and the associated emotional state is understanding and the view of life is meaningful, that there's a lot of meaning in life that you can reason out. But I, I, I really like that about the scale that it's not vilifying, but like for as woo as, David Hawkins can be, he's not vilifying logic and reason. He's actually putting it really high up there on the scale. Um, And it, that makes sense to me that, that if, if you're stuck in fear and grief and guilt and shame, it's hard to reason. Yeah, for sure. It's that goes back to that trauma brain where your trauma brain is the primitive, like reptilian brain, I call it, where you have the kind of uh, what's the term? Um, binary response of like run or fight, you know, fight or flight. And so I think when you hit reason, you're entering more the homo sapien slash like all those like human, 
humanity where our brains are meant to reason and to understand things more than just like at the base level. Yeah. All right. Take the next one, horny guy. <laughs> All right. So uh, the next one is love. Um, and the energetic frequency is 500. The associated emotional state is reverence and the view of life is benign. Um, and this is a hard one for me because like when we're talking about like this whole thing applied to Mormons and ex-Mormons and stuff like I love my family, you know, but yeah. it's hard for me to say, oh, I love Mormons, you know, like, yeah. it's hard yeah. for me to say that somebody who's really good at that is uh, Lindsay Hansen Park. Yeah. Um, she's really good. She's, she, I, you can tell she's reached like another stage that I probably will never reach because I'm just an angry fucker. So, yeah, you don't know. So, so you, you said that it's hard for you to, to get to that place of love for everyone. Like you can do it for your family, not really for the church. What no. is it that, what is it that you think keeps you from, from getting there? I mean, you mentioned being angry. You, you think angry keeps you from really being in that place of love? I think so. Because when you're rejected by people, yeah, you don't want to love them. Like that's just not your natural response. You know, Yeah. think of somebody who rejected you. Like it's hard to love them. Yeah. you know so well that's interesting i'm living with somebody who rejected me but that was a, <laughs> i i asked her out when she turned 16 she said no but uh, we're together now so <laughs> ooh <laughs> see out. there's a happy ending after all you know <laughs> yeah, there is quite a, quite a few of them that's why my skin's not orange i want to hear that story off <laughs> mic sometime cuz that sounds interesting <laughs> yeah well yeah okay well, i'll tell you um oh oh the story of cammy and i yeah Oh, uh, well, I'll tell you real quick. So, okay, go um, ahead. Story time. So, yeah, uh, she was 10 years old. I was 11. Um, we had the same piano teacher. I had just you're, starting to, you're starting to sound like Joseph Smith. So, <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> I was 11. She was oh, 10. I, okay. I wasn't 21 and she was 10. No. Fair, fair enough. Yeah. And um, yeah, so she was a year younger than me in school. And I just had a crush on her through junior high and high school. And, uh, we, we lost track, you know, like people do. And then Aww. probably about 2010, her ex-husband started listening to ex-Mormon podcasts and found me and we connected. And then um, I became friends with her on Facebook and we stayed in touch until about two years ago. Well, she was going through a divorce. I was going through a divorce and we're together. Wow. It's a cool story, man. There were shooting you stars involved. You should write a book about that for ex-Mormons. It could be like a love story. You could be like the next, uh -huh. um, who's that guy that wrote Charlie? Have you ever read Charlie? No, I haven't read Charlie. Well, the guy who wrote Charlie, I think it's Jack Wayland or something. Anyway, you can be Oh, him. yeah, that sounds right. Write a book. I know you can write. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Maybe I will. Maybe I'll write it down. Sure. Okay. So, and then above love at 540 is joy. And the associated emotional state for that is serenity and the view of life is complete. And then above that is peace at 600, where the associated emotional state is bliss. The view of life is things are perfect. And then enlightenment, this big enigmatic category from 700 to 1000, where like the, the world wisdom leaders would be, where the associated emotional state is ineffable, which means you just cannot put words to it. And the view of life is. 
Mm. Life just is. That's what I'm aiming for, man. <laughs> I like that. Aren't, aren't we all? Yeah. And and so the 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 main point of letting go is what we discussed when you were talking about love. It's hard for you to love because you've got a lot of anger. Well, if you were able to surrender that anger, if you were able to let that go, it would be easier to love. Um, and I, I, I just love this map of consciousness as a way of me checking in in any moment. Okay, I'm feeling something right now. What is it? Oh, I'm, I'm feeling a lot of grief. Oh, I'm feeling really sad. Okay, so how, what can I do with that grief? Like acknowledging it, being aware of it, let it, let it do its stuff, let it work through me, but not doing things that are going to keep me there or put me there. Oh, I'm in anger. Yeah, because something happened that really pissed me off. Okay, am I going to stay in anger or am I going to move out of anger because I want to be up in love and peace and enlightenment and joy and, and up in those on, areas? On, honestly, like I think this is a sliding scale that changes from second to second, you know, all the time. Like, and and you should... could have, I think you could have multiple frequencies of emotion overlapping too. I, th yeah, I think for it's sure. possible. Yeah. Like I'll, I'll give you an example. Um, the other day I was fishing sun Sunday mm -hmm. and uh, I was thinking like, you know, it's conference for everybody. Old me from two or three years ago would have been mad and just angry, but I was just enjoying fishing and I was enjoying being there. And that anger wasn't there. Like, I didn't feel like if they want to do that, you know, that's their prerogative, you know, and that anger kind of left. And I felt like just enjoyed being yeah. on the river. And, but then, you know, I read stuff on social media later and angry again, but then yeah. back, back to that. And, you and, know, you can, so, and you can feel it pull you down. Yeah, like yeah you for can sure. Feel that in your body for sure. All right. I want to play another clip for you now. Go for it. There is a lot of energy in anger. Therefore, we may actually feel energized when we are irritated or angry. One of the tricks people learn is to move up quickly from apathy and grief into anger, and then to jump from anger to pride, and then on into courage. In anger, there is the energy for action. This results in doingness in the world. When the have-nots of the world become energized by desire, and move up to anger over what they lack, that anger moves them into the actions necessary to fulfill their dreams for a better life. All right. So let's talk about that for a minute. Um, talking about anger, like what, what is it? Like what, what is anger? Um, where does it come from? Who makes it and how is it made? Um, well, I'm just thinking like, it's one of those primitive primate responses to threats in our environment, you know, evolutionary wise, um, it's how we've evolved is back in the day when somebody was stealing our rock for grinding wheat or whatever, you know, you bash him <laughs> over the head with a rock. Uh -huh. Yeah. And that was effective. That kept you alive, you know, might've killed him, but you're still alive. You're, yeah. people are still alive. And so it's that primitive, it's primitive humans. And, and it is quite literally a neural pathway or a series of neural, neural pathways. Yeah. That's what the experience of anger is. It, it's the yeah. neurons that are firing in our brain. Yeah. In, in a certain, certain pattern, they have a certain response. 
but it's it's something that is occurring within the the human brain within the mind within the psyche yeah but when i'm listening to what you just played i'm thinking of like the times in my life where i've been motivated you yeah. know from anger and like if i got rejected by somebody you're like well fuck you i'm gonna have you ever seen the office yeah you know when um pam's trying to get michael to stop dating her mom <laughs> okay and he's like well i'm gonna date her even harder then you know kind of thing uh, it's kind of like that that like chip on your shoulder like like you're a badass motherfucker you know kind of feeling um and that's gone that's it's productive like you know obviously you know Kobe Bryant but um yeah are you into basketball at all I am okay Suns fan yeah oh you guys we're, suck we're gonna be here tomorrow night mm, no I think no. so so anyway I'll I'll ignore the bullshit and stay in the enlightenment phase. Uh -huh. um, so he was talking about mindfulness and he was one of those people where he took things like if something made him angry, let's say just some small thing, you know, somebody wrote in the newspaper, he would take that and go score like 50 points, you know, and he would use that anger. But at the same time during the game, he didn't hone in on the anger to, score he talked about being at a place of balance when he's at the free throw line and the game was on the line and the crowd was like trying to get him riled up and stuff he would go into himself and like meditate like yeah. his coach taught him and he would like make the shot and nothing could affect him he was just he yeah he was like just ice cold you know yeah kind of thing so yeah well and and devin booker who is kind of got the mantle of Kobe Bryant uh, now in the that. NBA. Um, he does the same thing. And I, and like, I, I watch him when he gets angry and then he'll start going off, but, but also, but they don't stay in anger. Like, like you can see some NBA players that get angry and then they just start kicking chairs and tables. Yeah. And like Draymond, 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 like Draymond, you know, they let it, they let yeah. it get the best of them where I, what I see uh, Kobe Bryant having done Devin Booker doing is getting <laughs> they get anger but angry but then they kind of go up into acceptance and and even like love and joy of playing the game and well, so it, it kind of boosts them up i will say that this this like anger this love and joy has not led to devin booker being able to play defense so maybe we need to add to this whole chart I don't think you know? you've been watching i don't think you've been watching enough i don't know i've watched i've watched him some but uh I will plug my boy Donovan Mitchell. Um, He's a good player. Dev like Devin Mitchell. Booker's Devin Booker 2.0. So, really, I'm I haven't I haven't seen enough of. Oh, uh, I don't Donovan. I, Mitchell Donovan, I got to plug my boy Donovan because yeah. he is when he so he, he 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 plays for Utah. Yeah, and people's perception of Utah is like this hillbilly trash place, you know, where uh -huh. racists live, which is not all that faults uh -huh. but um anyway like he's got a chip on his shoulder all the time because he was drafted too too um low you yeah. know in his mind and but he can turn anger into some mm, yeah he's yeah so i think i think the the real question that i i want to address before i move on to the next audio clip is if if anger is a, a set of neural pathways that you have in your brain. Who is it that's creating it? My ancestors. Your ancestors and your, and your no. ancestors. No, because they're not even here. 
Well, I mean, they they were the ones that perpetuated it. You know what I'm saying? They perpetuated your anger. What? No, the neural pathways. Because well, it's, it's something they, you inherit. They gave it. We inherited our DNA. We we inherit our our genetics, and so we from, get this heart. We get this. Yeah, from our ancestors. So so we get and, and the aliens that came down and did their thing. Um, well, we don't need to talk about that. <laughs> we'll we'll do that in another podcast because yeah, no, actually, yeah, we the reptilian overlords. Yeah, yeah. Um, but um, the uh, you you are the one who creates your own anger. Yeah. No one does it. No one outside of you does it. It's your sure. reaction to something. Sure. But far too often we don't take responsibility for our own anger. We think that somebody else has made us angry when it's yeah. really, we're the ones that did it. Yeah. And I, I think that's really important to accept. <laughs> well, <laughs> to recognize and to upset, accept. I'm thinking of this. It's kind of like, so we evolved and we inherited these complex brains, you know, mm -hmm. and I honestly don't think our biology evolved enough with us to be able to handle a lot of things. Like, it's kind of like if you gave. It's still evolving, Adam. Yeah, exactly. But very slowly. Um, Pretty quickly <laughs> with the internet, I think. I think it's pushing us and stretching us in ways that, uh, you know, like when, when uh, Deadpool got put in the thing and turned into Deadpool. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, if it's my, inter now. <laughs> my, 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 my internet searches are full of the, the lower orange part. But uh, uh -huh. anyway, sure. Anyway, um, it's kind of like if you gave a 10 year old like a rocket ship and asked him to fly it, like, I mean, unless you're Doogie Hauser or something, like, you're going to crash the rocket ship, you know? We're, we've been given too complex, you know, for what, what we were meant to do, you know? I don't know if that makes sense, but no, nah, I don't know. I don't know if it does either. I mean, we were meant to, right now. We're supposed to be sitting in caves, you know. Um, we're supposed to be sitting in caves. Well, just based on like how our our brains have evolved and our, versus our, versus our bodies, you know. I think we're too smart for our own good, is what I'm saying. And our emotions, we're not meant to handle these complex emotions. No. I think I think we're we're very capable of handling these complex emotions and that's part of the game of life is learning how to do it. Yeah. For for me it's been again right. stuck in the orange phase. All right. I am going to play the next clip. Go on, we Bart. typically feel so much guilt about anger that we find it necessary to make the object of our anger wrong so that we may say our anger is justified. Few are the persons who can take responsibility for their own anger and just say, I am angry because I am full of angriness. What do you think about that? Could, could you um, say that? Could you say, I'm angry right now because I'm full of angriness? Yeah, I mean, uh, so I'll, I'll give you an example that yeah. I, I told you I got yelled at today by a kid. Yeah. And I won't share too many details, but this kid was just angry. And you could try and reason but he would smack that down and just come back at you with all this stuff. Yeah. And there was nothing to do. Like you couldn't reason with him. You couldn't do anything. So I just shook my head and listened and said, yeah, that's, yeah. that would suck, you know? And eventually that anger settled down, you know, but. Did you feel angry when he was expressing his anger towards you? No, I didn't because I knew it wasn't directed at me. So why are you saying you can't handle emotions, Adam? I was just being, I was just being an, a smart ass. Oh, okay. um, 
that yeah. wasn't very smart. Well, <laughs> anyway, so um, okay, I was being a dumbass. How about that? There we so, go. I will accept that. <laughs> so uh, I wasn't angry because I've been trained to be able to handle the situation. Yeah. where I don't internalize any of his anger. It's not directed at me. And if he, even if it is directed at me, it's not about me, Yeah, you know? And so, yeah. Nice. Nice. Okay. So, so we're going to get into a, a clip about the positive uses of anger. We've kind of touched on it a little bit. Um, David Hawkins talks about it in this next clip. All right. Using anger positively. It is common for people to repress their anger, aggression, and inner hostility. They view it as unpleasant, undignified, and even as a moral failure or spiritual setback. They do not realize that repressed anger is nonetheless the energy of anger, and if not acknowledged and worked through, it will have deleterious consequences to their health and overall progress. A helpful approach is to view the energy of anger positively and to use it to fire up our ambitions and our actions in a useful way. Yeah. Like like groovy music kind of way. Yeah. Okay. All right. So what did you think about that clip? Well, I know you just called me a dumbass, but he said the same thing I've been saying. So, I mean, does that make, I don't know. Yeah. No, it made me think about <laughs> your constipation uh, yeah. analogy. Yeah. yeah. That, that, you, that you've got to feel it. You've got to work through it. You got to take a suppository sometimes. You, yeah. You know, it's, it's going to be there and, and it can be channeled into some Chance. kind of a positive project. Yeah, for sure. Have, what what have you done? What are some useful ways that you have harnessed the energy of anger, Adam? Well, okay. So this, I, I know I talk a lot and tell a lot of stories, but this is something that affected me deeply in my life. So I was on a uh, young men's trip up to Idaho and there was this leader. Um, he wasn't like the leader, but he was like one of the advisors or whatever. And I said something asinine about his son having a high voice who was mm. 13. You know, I didn't mean anything by it. I just commented because somebody did an impression of something he was saying. And I said, he kind of has a high voice, you know? So this guy latched onto that and went after me mm. and the whole ride home in front of all the boys and stuff, he was making comments about how I would never amount to anything or how I would um, get pushed over my whole life and be a pushover or how I was weak and, um, that really impacted me. Like, I can't tell you how much it is. A sensitive high school kid. I spent years stewing over that, you know. How, how old were you when that happened? Uh, 16. 16. Hmm. Yeah. So that experience fueled a lot of, like, this anger. And I thought, like, no, motherfucker, I'm going to go to college. I'm going to get a degree. I'm going to change the world. And you can just suck on rocks, you know, kind of feeling. Like, that was that I turned that energy into something rather than just stewing on it and feeling like, Oh, poor me, you know, maybe he's right. Kind of thing. Um, yeah. That's my experience with anger turning into something positive. That's why I kind of have like a, like I described the bombastic chip on the shoulder attitude. Okay, cool. Well, I've got another clip here that is going to give another example of uh 
the way that anger could be channeled to positive. Mm -hmm. Let's say that we are angry at our boss. We feel resentful. He never seems to acknowledge our abilities or efforts. But we know it's unwise to express anger and resentment. It would very likely result in the loss of our job, or at least bring on the continued resentment of the boss. At best, the expression of anger would result in a tacky situation. Instead, we can make a decision to use that energy in a constructive way, in our own behalf. It can be the inspiration for us to create a project that, because of its excellence, proves our point. It might be the energy for us to move up and out of a situation that is unsatisfactory. We can utilize that energy to create new job opportunities or find a better job, form a committee, improve our employment situation, start a union, or whatever we think would benefit our personal goals. In personal relationships, the same opportunity exists. The anger can be utilized to inspire us to improve our communication skills, take a course on interpersonal relationships, or enroll in a self-improvement program. The anger can inspire us to rededication, to put forth greater clarity of effort, and to actually do a better job. In this way, the situation can result in recommitment. It can inspire us to look within ourselves and relinquish all the negative feelings via acceptance. Instead of being mad about it, we can accept it. All right, that last thing that he said was, instead of being mad about it, we can accept it. Mm -hmm. What does that mean to you when you hear it? I mean, how do I phrase this? Basically, like, you can be mad about a situation and stew over it, you know, and let's say you lose your job. And like he said, um, once you accept that you've lost your job and you stop rehashing, oh, well, I should have done this or I should have done this or being angry, you know, you could move on and get a better job, you know, or change yourself so that you don't get fired or that whatever, you know. So, yeah, acceptance is a huge process, you know. Yeah. What, what, if, what if you applied it to the church? You can either be mad about the church or you can accept the church. Well, I mean, so basically, like, I could be mad that the truth claims aren't what they're really meant to be, you know, like nobody translated an ancient record kind of thing. You know, I could be mad about that. I could be mad about over the weekend, you know, saying stuff like calling me, me a lazy learner who spent like hundreds of hours, like in deep thought and contemplation over what is the truth here. You know, I could be mad about that, but you, are you saying you could be mad about the people who are calling you lazy and, and saying that you didn't, you, you weren't really, diligent in the way that you studied about the church yeah that's what i'm saying yeah i mean i could be mad about that but i choose not to be i choose like to write it off as they're just trying to manipulate people and i'm not gonna let them do that to my mind okay so so tell me talk a little bit more about the acceptance part of that like what is it that you're accepting and how is it that that's keeping you from uh being mad i mean what the acceptance part is they're gonna do 
what they're going to do. You know, I can't change their actions. I can't change the paradigm of their religion. I can't change the structure. I can't change any of that. You know, I'm just yeah. an ant compared to them. So, so you're, th- who is the them that you're talking about? Them as in the quorum of the 12 oh, you know, you're talking organization. About like the high, oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because we're talking about general conference, you know. I see. Okay. Um, yeah. I, I think, I think part of that acceptance is is also knowing why it is that they're vilifying you like it they're scared yeah, yeah yeah they're 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 clinging to their own sense of identity and you know pe- people who leave are it, it helps reinforce their own righteousness i mean there's all kinds of reasons why yeah for sure they would go out and vilify you and accepting those reasons doesn't it doesn't mean that it's okay. I, no. think that, I think that's where that that's where people get tripped up on it. So how do you accept? Like, is acceptance bad? Does acceptance mean that it it's going to continue with the status quo? No, not necessarily. Because um, I'd say the opposite. Like, I'll give you an example in my personal life. There's somebody that um, was talking a lot of shit, you know, and I, it's a family relation type thing. So like, I can't just like completely make it disappear or leave, you know? And they were trying to like tarnish my good name and just like manipulating with lies to my close family, you know? And so instead of playing the game and going after them and being like, well, I'm going to get you back. You know, I just said, I see what you're doing there. And I'm not going to play your games. You know, I accept that you're doing what you're doing and you're going to do that. You know, that's your right. It's not going to ruin my day. Yeah. It's just going to make you look stupid. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. You're not a dumbass anymore. Adam, way to go. Hey, you graduated. I have graduated. <laughs> you're back to smart ass now. Way to go. Hey, you know, <laughs> got to do what you got to do. All right. All right. Let's do the next clip then. There are many sources of anger. We have already mentioned that very often a complex of angry feelings is connected with fear, and the anger disappears when we let go of the fear. Another source of anger is that of pride, and especially that aspect of pride called vanity. Frequently, it is our personal pride that feeds and propagates the anger. An example of this comes from a day in the life of a typical traditional marriage. The wife spends the entire day working hard at cleaning the house, meticulously looking after the plants, bringing in flowers, rearranging some furniture, and doing all she can to make the house look beautiful. When the husband comes home, he doesn't say a word about the house or even seem to notice. Instead, he is exhausted from a day at work, and he recounts its various trials and tribulations. In his mind, He is thinking of all the self-sacrifices he has made, the irate customers, the arduous drive through commuter traffic, the irritable boss, and the pressure of deadlines. He is thinking of all that he has done for his wife and family. While he is thinking of all this hardship, she is feeling a mounting resentment that he hasn't acknowledged her efforts, and she goes back in her mind over all the sacrifices she made that day. She could have gone out for lunch with friends, 
She could have finished reading the book that she is enjoying. She could have watched her favorite program on television. Instead, she did all of this for him, and now he is making no comment on the results of her efforts. As both harbor their grudges, resentments, and frustrations, their inner anger mounts. It is expressed as coolness and detachment as they escape into television for the evening and go to bed silently to brood over their grievances. In the above example, both persons are looking for acknowledgement. They want it, desire it, but block it in each other. The unconscious formula goes, Give me what I want, or I will punish you by withdrawal, anger, pouting, sulking, and resentment. Even if we force an acknowledgement, it will be a disgruntled one. A forced compliment does not satisfy. Part of the anger here arises from the pride of self-sacrifice. We have a certain secret vanity about what we are doing for others, and our pride of achievement makes us vulnerable to anger when our sacrifice is not recognized. The way to offset this anger is to acknowledge and relinquish the pride, surrender our desire for the pleasure of self-pity, and instead view our efforts on behalf of others as gifts. We can experience the joy of being generous with others as its own reward. All right. I saw you nodding along to that one a lot. What were you thinking as you were listening to that, Adam? Um, dating. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're back in the orange space again. <laughs> well, not necessarily. It's just like um, some of it relates to it and some of it doesn't. But like, um, how do I put this? I have not. I've tried to date a lot, you know, but have struck out a lot. And... I was stuck in that phase of just anger and contempt of I like just kind of thinking like my pride was hurt, you know, like mm -hmm. just that scorn of wanting a relationship really bad and just kind of like wanting something that I couldn't have kind of thing. And then when I started studying Buddhism, I started like thinking about things. I thought I don't have to be happy to be in a relationship. In fact, a lot of misery and unhappiness in life arises from a romantic relationship you know like yeah. you've been married and you know yeah so i mean so it was that kind of taking that pride and that vanity away it's like kind of it doesn't say anything about me that i'm still single you know yeah. it doesn't mean that i'm undesired or anything i don't need somebody else's tension or love or affection to feel valued and worthy i it comes from within you know yeah so good yeah that's a that's a healthy attitude to take um is is it gaslighting do you think to make the claim that a person's anger is a result of their own pride the result of their own pride and this is the big cliffhanger question that's going to end part one of this conversation between myself and adam but don't worry, you won't have to wait long for part two because I'll be releasing it in a couple of days. And I hope you enjoyed this conversation. And if you really did, I hope that you will come and support the podcast on Patreon. We've also recently started group coaching. So I've got a handful of people right now that are going through group coaching. Right now we're focusing specifically on anger, working through that as a group. So if you're interested in joining the group, 
doing some more behind the scenes work on the podcast, please let me know. Reach out to infantsonthrones at gmail.com and let me know. And as an extended Easter egg today, I'm also going to share with you a little meditation that I put together. I put it at the end of one of the previous episodes, so you've probably heard this before, but it's an introduction section from the book Letting Go, and it's talking about repressed emotions, suppressing emotions, expressing emotions. Think about what you've just heard about anger in terms of what gets repressed, what gets suppressed, what gets expressed. And uh, that's why I'm including this Easter egg meditation today. And once again, thank you for listening to Infants on Thrones. Put down the weapons that you use against yourself. You don't need them anymore. Lay down the weapons that you use against the world. We don't need another war. Put down the weapons that you use against yourself. Hi, this is Hillary, Matthew, Ryan, Carol, Ashley, and I like to play bingo online while listening to Infants on Thrones. You can comment on this episode on the website, infantsonthrones.com. And if you really like what you hear, give the quorum a five-star rating and write a short review on iTunes. I did. I did. I did. Anyone for the closing prayer? My worst crime is an inside job. Dark thoughts taking over like an inside mob. I tune him to the scene between the eyes. And take a breath. Thank you for listening to Infants on Front. I sit still and watch the thoughts flow past me. Never mind the future, never mind what the past be. I like to jump and let the universe catch me. Three, four, watch the beauty blow past me. I keep my pockets like destination in sight. Keep my actions elevated to compassionate heights. I'm walking past the fight, laying down on such a night. Choosing love when I pick up this mic. The Mechanism of Letting Go What is it? Letting go is like the sudden cessation of an inner pressure or the dropping of a weight. It is accompanied by a sudden feeling of relief and lightness with an increased happiness and freedom. It is an actual mechanism of the mind, and everyone has experienced it on occasion. A good example is the following. You are in the midst of an intense argument. You are angry and upset. When suddenly, the whole thing strikes you as absurd and ridiculous. You start to laugh. The pressure is relieved. You come up from anger, fear, and feeling attacked to feeling suddenly free and happy. Think how great it would be if you could do that all of the time, in any place, and with any event. You could always feel free and happy and never be cornered by your feelings again. That's what this technique is all about. Letting go consciously and frequently at will. You are then in charge of how you feel, 
and you are no longer at the mercy of the world and your reactions to it. You are no longer the victim. This is employing the basic teaching of the Buddha, which removes the pressure of involuntary reactivity. We carry around with us a huge reservoir of accumulated negative feelings, attitudes, and beliefs. The accumulated pressure makes us miserable and is the basis of many of our illnesses and problems. We are resigned to it and explain it away as the human condition. We seek to escape from it in myriad ways. The average human life is spent trying to avoid and run from the inner turmoil of fear and the threat of misery. Everyone's self-esteem is constantly threatened, both from within and without. If we take a close look at human life, we see that it is essentially one long elaborate struggle to escape our inner fears and expectations that have been projected upon the world. Interspersed are periods of celebration when we have momentarily escaped the inner fears, but the fears are still there waiting for us. We have become afraid of our inner feelings because they hold such a massive amount of negativity that we fear we would be overwhelmed by it if we were to take a deeper look. We have a fear of these feelings because we have no conscious mechanism by which to handle the feelings if we let them come up within ourselves. Because we are afraid to face them, they continue to accumulate and finally we secretly begin looking forward to death to bring all of the pain to an end. It is not thoughts or facts that are painful, but the feelings that accompany them. Thoughts in and of themselves are painless, but not the feelings that underlie them. It is the accumulated pressure of feelings that causes thoughts. One feeling, for instance, can create literally thousands of thoughts over a period of time. Think, for instance, of one painful memory from early life. One terrible regret that has been hidden.
Look at all the years and years of thoughts associated with that single event. If we could surrender the underlying painful feeling, all of those thoughts would disappear instantly and we would forget the event. This observation is in accord with scientific research. The Gray-LaViolette scientific theory integrates psychology and neurophysiology. Their research demonstrated that feeling tones organize thoughts and memory. Thoughts are filed in the memory bank according to the various shades of feelings associated with those thoughts. Therefore, when we relinquish or let go of a feeling, we are freeing ourselves from all of the associated thoughts. The great value of knowing how to surrender is that any and all feelings can be let go of at any time and any place in an instant. And it can be done continuously and effortlessly. What is the surrendered state? It means to be free of negative feelings in a given area so that creativity and spontaneity can manifest without opposition or the interference of inner conflicts. To be free of inner conflict and expectations is to give others in our life the greatest freedom. It allows us to experience the basic nature of the universe, which, it will be discovered, is to manifest the greatest good possible in a situation. This may sound philosophical, but when done, it is experientially true. Feelings and Mental Mechanisms We have three major ways of handling feelings. Suppression, expression, and escape. We will discuss each in turn. 1. Suppression and Repression These are the most common ways in which we push feelings down and put them aside. In repression, this happens unconsciously. In suppression, it happens consciously. We don't want to be bothered by feelings, and besides, we don't know what else to do with them. We sort of suffer through them and try to keep functioning as best as we can. The feelings that we select to be suppressed or repressed are in accord with the conscious and unconscious programs that we carry within us from social custom and family training. The pressure of suppressed feelings is later felt as irritability, 
mood swings, tension in the muscles of the neck and back, headaches, cramps, menstrual disorders, colitis, indigestion, insomnia, hypertension, allergies, and other somatic conditions. When we repress a feeling, it is because there is so much guilt and fear over the feeling that it is not even consciously felt at all. It becomes instantly thrust into the unconscious as soon as it threatens to emerge. The repressed feeling is then handled in a variety of ways to ensure that it stays repressed and out of awareness. Of these mechanisms used by the mind to keep the feeling repressed, denial and projection are perhaps the best known methods, as they tend to go together and reinforce each other. Denial results in major emotional and maturational blocks. It is usually accompanied by the mechanism of projection. Because of guilt and fear, we repress the impulse or feeling and we deny its presence within us. Instead of feeling it, we project it onto the world and those around us. We experience the feeling as if it belonged to them. They then become the enemy and the mind searches for and finds justification to reinforce the projection. Blame is placed on people, places, institutions, food, climatic conditions, astrological events, social conditions, fate, God, luck, the devil, foreigners, ethnic groups, political rivals, and other things outside of ourselves. Projection is the main mechanism in use by the world today. It accounts for all wars, strife, and civil disorder. Hating the enemy is even encouraged in order to become a good citizen. We maintain our own self-esteem at the expense of others, and eventually this results in social breakdown. The mechanism of projection underlies all attack, violence, aggression, and every form of social destruction. Two, expression. With this mechanism, the feeling is vented, verbalized, or stated in body language and acted out in endless group demonstrations. The expression of negative feelings allows just enough of the inner pressure to be let out 
so that the remainder can then be suppressed. This is a very important point to understand, for many people in society today believe that expressing their feelings frees them from the feelings. The facts are to the contrary. The expression of a feeling, first, tends to propagate that feeling and give it greater energy. Second, the expression of the feeling merely allows the remainder to be suppressed out of awareness. The balance between suppression and expression varies in each individual depending on early training, current cultural norms and mores, and the media. Expressing oneself is now in vogue as a result of a misunderstanding of the work of Sigmund Freud and psychoanalysis. Freud pointed out that suppression was the cause of neurosis. Therefore, expression was mistakenly thought to be the cure. This misinterpretation became a license for self-indulgence at the cost of others. What Freud actually said in classical psychoanalysis was that the repressed impulse or feeling was to be neutralized, sublimated, socialized and channeled into constructive drives of love, work and creativity. If we dump our negative feelings on others, they experience it as an attack, and they in turn are forced to suppress, express, or escape the feelings. Therefore, the expression of negativity results in the deterioration and destruction of relationships. A far better alternative is to take responsibility for our own feelings and neutralize them into constructive drives of love, work, and creativity. Then, only positive feelings remain to be expressed. 3. Escape Escape is the avoidance of feelings through diversion. This avoidance is the backbone of the entertainment and liquor industries, and also the root of the workaholic. Escapism and avoidance of inner awareness is a socially condoned mechanism. We can avoid our own inner selves and keep our feelings from emerging by an endless variety of pursuits, many of which eventually become addictions as our dependency upon them grows. People are desperate to stay unconscious. We observe how often people flick on the television set the minute they enter a room, and then walk around in a dreamlike state, constantly being programmed 
by the data poured into them. People are terrified of facing themselves. They dread even a moment of aloneness. Thus the constant frantic activities, the endless socializing, talking, texting, reading, music playing, working, traveling, sightseeing, shopping, overeating, gambling, movie going, pill taking, drug using, and cocktail partying. Many of the foregoing mechanisms of escape are faulty, stressful, and ineffective. Each of them requires increasing amounts of energy in and of itself. Enormous amounts of energy are required to keep down the growing pressure of the suppressed and repressed feelings. There is a progressive loss of awareness and an arrest of growth. There is a loss of creativity, energy, and real interest in others. There is a halting of spiritual growth and eventually the development of physical and emotional illness, disease, aging, and premature death. The projection of these repressed feelings results in the social problems, disorders, and the increase of selfishness and callousness characteristic of our present society. Most of all, the effect is the inability to truly love and trust another person, which results in emotional isolation and self-hatred. In contrast to the above, what happens instead when we let go of a feeling? The energy behind the feeling is instantly surrendered and the net effect is decompression. The accumulated pressure begins to decrease as we constantly let go. Everyone knows that when we let go, we immediately feel better. The body's physiology changes. There are detectable improvements in skin color, breathing, pulse, blood pressure, muscle tension, gastrointestinal function, and blood chemistries. In the state of inner freedom, all bodily functions and organs move in the general direction of normalcy and health. There is an immediate increase in muscle power. Vision improves, and our perception of the world and ourselves changes for the better. We feel happier, more loving, and more easygoing. Thank you for listening to Infants on Thrones. Infants on Thrones.